Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, say hello. Hello, in depressio mode right now. <laughs> yeah, today we're going to bring you our Ohio State recap, the tough... I'm going to hold off on crushing, but it was as close to crushing as you can get uh, on Monday night, and I'm not sure I've ever needed a shot more than I need one before this episode, because <laughs> that was a tough loss, let me tell you. Uh, Robert, do you think you could give us a cheers? Yeah, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do my best. All right, we're going we're gonna to keep this episode somewhat upbeat. We're going to hit the points that need to, but we'll keep it upbeat, and to start it off, uh, I think we all know one. We're going to pour one out for our homie, Michael Brewer. Uh, Scott Leffler said repeatedly, was almost uh, breaking out a little bit in the press conference, that that man worked his ass off all summer, did an all spring and fall practice, everything he needed to do to get ready. He looked ready in that game and then broken collarbone. So um, a nice shout-out to our man, Michael Brewer. Can't wait to get you back on the field. To Brewer. To Brewer. Cheers. There it goes. All right. Well, we're going to lament the loss plenty today, um, but I want to start the episode on a more positive note and talk about how great Blacksburg was this past weekend. From the weather to the bars to the OSU fans, it was a pleasure to be down there. Uh, Robbie and I both arrived on Sunday, and I think you share my thoughts, and it was just a great pregame atmosphere. I thought it could not have been better. It was so cool to be down there to see all the people, to see the excitement of the OSU fans. It, it, it was funny, you know. Quick story time: you're you're down on Main Street, and I was there on with my wife. And there's a older gentleman walking down the street, and a couple of OSU fans come walking by, and we're taking cash out of the Wells Fargo right there, uh, across from the bars. And he looks at the OSU fans and he goes, you guys find everything all right? Welcome to Blacksburg. Anything I can help you with? And those guys were just floored at OSU. They just loved it. And in Tots, too, we were there for a good majority uh, of the hours before the game, before we headed over for a tailgate. And it wasn't like people were knocking each other's teams or everyone was just kind of like, so excited for football, so excited for the game, complimenting each other's teams. Uh, you know, do a little friendly ribbing, but for the most part, it was just great. And then you had other things like Keyshawn Johnson being at Tots. Apparently his uh, son is a highly touted recruit that might be headed to OSU, and he was decked out in, o- in OSU gear, and that everyone is kind of excited about that. It was just a lot of fun being out that day. The concert on Sunday night was awesome. I saw, you know, stat there was, they estimated 30,000 fans were there. Me and my wife were out there. It was very cool. It was very, very cool. And I think all of uh, all the freshmen uh, didn't really know uh, getting on campus that they would get to be in for something like that. But how awesome is that your first year? I, I mean, I did, we didn't have anything like that in my first year. Although Tech was, he might say, a lot better at football when I first got there. But uh but yeah, it was just great. It was a real, and like I said, the weather. Uh, I mean, the, the game time temperature was perfect. It was the perfect setting for what was a very good game that kind of got out of hand at the end. And I think it's best to kind of go through the game and what happened and then kind of give our overall thoughts. It was a very, very competitive first half and a really fun first half. And after OSU jumped out to that 14-point lead, 
the crowd was very quiet and I, I know you were probably feeling like I was. I was I was bummed. I was like this this could get a, this could get out of hand fast. Yeah, I thought I thought we were going to be in big trouble after that 14 nothing uh, lead jumper right out the start and I was I was very concerned the defense was it just didn't look right. You, you know, at first we were while we were at the game, so it was hard, hard until you came back and watched the film. But things were just kind of breaking down. Uh, you know, you weren't seeing a lot of pressure. You were seeing uh, Matapuaka right off the bat. I could see this from the field hitting the wrong holes and not getting a lot of pressure yeah. in the right places, taking bad routes to the ball carrier. And he wasn't the only one, but he was one. Of, he was one of the ones we were focusing on before the game, and then you saw it, and so it kind of makes it look even worse, in particular in regard to him. And then all of a sudden, OSU misses that field goal, and the momentum just started to change just a little bit. We put a drive together, get that that wheel route to Sam Rogers. He makes that move, and we were on the board. And all of a sudden, the crowd is back into it. Everyone's pumped up. That move was so sweet, and we love – I mean, the fan base loves fan Ro- Sam Rogers anyway, and to then watch him do something like that, it was awesome. He was incredible. That play, he had wheels. Sam Rogers had wheels. He looked faster than he did last year, I'll say. I mean, and he had some good plays for us last year too. He scored um, a touchdown in the game last year and had that one running play also in the game last year. So you knew he could do some things, but – once he started going down that sideline, it's like, okay, well, we're going to get inside the tent. No, we're going to score because he just cut back on uh, on Apple, I believe it was. Yep. Let's uh, hit um, a couple key moments that I thought were were really important to to that first half. I think one of them was Brewer started a little bit slow, so he had that throw behind Isaiah Ford that could have been an easy catch, um, which was was fine. But then he hit later on in in he had threw that one behind Hodges, which that would have put us in the red zone. I know. That was killer. I really thought that that was going to be a momentum change. And when that pass kind of missed its target, I, I thought that could have that, – that seriously could have put us in a much different position going into that second half, I, second quarter. I agree. And and the other thing that – so we got on the board. It's 14-7. And then the defense starts to pick it up a little bit. And we were able to, to, to just stifle Ohio State just enough that then, they, then we get that pick. And uh, what a great diving pick that was by our new man at Rover and Desmond Fry. Yeah. And that leads to three points. Yep. Uh, we didn't, you know, not like we could get a touchdown out of it, but we still moved the ball a little bit and we got our three points. And now it's 14-10. And we would be probably at that point have been happy to go to the half at 14-10. But then the botched punt return by Ezekiel Elliott, their, like their main man, their Heisman candidate, and we take it right down and score another touchdown. The long, the, it wasn't like a long, it was, it was a rainbow to Isaiah Ford that gets us inside the five. And then those, I was hoping Trey was going to punch it in. He stopped twice, I, I think it was yeah, in I a think row. It was two in a row. And I wanted that. That's what I wanted to see is mm-hmm. Trey on the goal line, see if we can get in. Couldn't do it. And then that, another great play call with the, like the, the, play the defense call to was one end. Unbelievable. And then Malik is sitting there wide open. He was just sitting there at the line of scrimmage. Almost, you could just see him twiddling his thumbs, counting one, two, yeah. three, and then he breaks like the left end afraid, of the end zone. Yeah, you're almost afraid he's going to drop it because he was so open. It's just, he's just waiting for it. But that was awesome. And we go into the half against Ohio State with a lead. And 
I know me and my buddies are like, we're going to do it again. I know we're going to do it. It was so exciting. There was some guy, because I was by myself. I'm there with my wife, and there's I got Ohio State behind me, two fans. I got one in front of me, and I got another one to the, to the left of me uh, on the other side of my wife. The only person I have that's a VT fan is this guy next to me, and I was jumping all over him during these touchdowns, <laughs> and this guy has no idea who I am, and I was jumping all over him. Like, just... <laughs> and he was probably welcoming it because that's how it is in the tech stands. When, when we start to score, it gets so pumped. I mean, me and our, my friends, we're hanging all over each other. We're high-fiving the couple in front of us. It was just a really great feeling at the end of that first half. That second quarter was a lot of fun, obviously. It was the highlight of the game for the Hokies. And it was great taking a lead into the half. Uh, the second half, however, was a little bit of a different story. Before we get into the bad, let's talk about the good. And the good is the beer that I'm currently drinking. <laughs> it's much needed tonight. I'm having a Port City Oktoberfest. Uh, Port City is a brewery out of Alexandria, very close to where we're recording this. We're actually in Arlington right now at Robbie's Place. And this this Oktoberfest by Port City is definitely a, on the lighter side. It's If I didn't... If I didn't know it was called Oktoberfest, I wouldn't think it was an Oktoberfest beer. I usually think of that with like kind of a sweeter, more malty flavor. This just kind of seems like a regular lager to me. But um, but so it still goes it's down weak. pretty it's easy. It's, weak. it's a little bit weak, <laughs> no, uh, 5.5%. But, uh, but it still tastes good, and I'm still enjoying it. I'm on the uh, the Stone uh, uh, Double IPA, the Ruination. Uh, I was just out in San Diego, uh, got to drink some of this, uh, had a couple in the airport uh, on the way out there. Double IPA right up my alley. It's a great beer, uh, very hoppy, uh, front-loaded. It's not kind of one of those that hit you on the back end. It's uh, it's up front and center, and for somebody that likes IPAs, I, I love it. Stone's got a great great brewing facility out there that i think they just opened up i heard they have an awesome restaurant out there as well so um a great beer and it's delicious and needed right now i know and i'm i'm looking forward to having one in a minute here so the second half starts and before i know it we're down again it, it was like a punch in the face it's 21 17 uh that was the first touchdown to braxton miller yep first who does he look fast to you <laughs> yeah he looks Really slow. I <laughs> didn't think. I mean, oh my gosh! <laughs> I heard today he is the fastest on Ohio State, if not the second fastest. Most people peg him right around running a four. And you're three. talking about a team stacked with four and five stars, right? And he has the the first, the fastest ten yard get up I've heard as well on the team. He is a fast, fast man. So that play happens, and it kind of takes the crowd a little bit out of the game. But at the same time, you're only down by you know four points. You're within a score. And we looked we looked good coming back in the first half, but then the blow comes, and Michael Brewer gets taken down on a really rough hit by Adolphus Washington, and he doesn't get back up without the trainer. I mean, I feel bad for Gallo. I he he missed his blocking assignment. He had a great night, and not to go too summary on us, but had a great night blocking on the offensive line, and he missed. One assignment, and it cost us the collarbone. It could cost us more than a couple. What did we say about Adolphus Washington coming into this game? I'm pretty pretty sure you said something that was right on point. Let's see if we can pull that up. Adolphus Washington, their defensive tackle. That is the guy that scares me. And when I'm talking about establishing the run, I mean running away from him specifically (laughs) because that is a bad man. They lost Bennett, but Washington is probably going to be a first-round pick from the defensive tackle position. He is nasty. 
So, yeah, we knew he was going to be a problem, and he was, and it turns out that he might have cost us not just this game, but a couple games coming here. Um, and, man, it was rough to see Brewerland writhing on the field like that. And after you know all the quotes, we'll get to it at the end, what ESPN did and getting in the locker room and putting on, which I'd never seen before. I've never seen during in-game comments from a person to their team, from a team, a, a captain to their their team being put on air before. That was a first for me. And, and it even seemed like Herb Street and the, they were just all just like kind of feeling for tech and feeling for Michael Brewer, uh, which I guess is nice, uh, but it's not nice enough to get him back on the field. So that that happens, and I think the air went out of the crowd a little bit. The air went out of the defense, and that started to show. But not until we knew Brewer was out was when the team really got deflated. And so the middle part of that third quarter, we actually played some pretty decent defense, even after he got hurt. The drive right after he got hurt, we had a three and out, and Maddie actually had what looked like a sack to me. I guess it didn't get called a sack. Yeah, it was was a— Running play from Braxton Miller taking the direct snap, and uh, I clarified with this with French today that it was a it was a power you know a power look the whole time so that won't go down a second. But he did take Braxton Miller down behind the line, so it's semantics. Yep. We had four tackles for a loss. We actually got a lot of pressure in this game. We just couldn't capitalize on it. So Motley comes in the game. It's third quarter's winding down, and. We actually put together a couple of first downs. We got two first downs legitimately, you know, some smoke and mirror plays with J.C. Coleman and a little pass here and there. And then we get the pass interference call against Bucky. Yep. Uh, or it was against Ohio State on Bucky to give us our third first down of that drive. And then the nail in the coffin comes in the form of the fumble by J.C. Coleman. And you knew it was – I, <sighs> I swear you knew it was over right there. I That was the end. Yeah. That was the end. And if you didn't think the fumble was the end, the next play when they <laughs> scored a touchdown on a freaking ridiculous spin move by Braxton Miller, that was the end. And oh, that was – it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. And as soon as Braxton Miller scored that awesome play we all saw a thousand re- replays of, I just – I was so mad at JC. And I know fumbles happen, but he's – you know. He's so he's been on he's a team leader. He's a senior, you know, he's a guy you don't expect that from and it was such a killer. And I know that he kind of had guys underneath of him and maybe if like one of the Ohio State players wasn't there his knee would have been down. And the handoff was not great on that too. So right. he was if you watch the I'm handoff I'm not going to hammer JC too badly, but it was just you can't have it and it happened and it was the end because say we even get a field goal on that drive. We already had 3 first downs maybe we get a fourth one maybe we kick a field goal maybe we score a touchdown and take a lead but and then and then the team has confidence again maybe the defense is like all right we can do this with motley like this is still possible but as soon as that fumble happened as soon as that touchdown happened it was like oh my gosh this team's really good oh my gosh did you see that spin move our quarterback's not in anymore we're down by 11 it's not happening it's over and i you know to carry things out you have zeke coming in after that with the long the run and the Let's get, let's hit some positives here. The offensive line continued to look great for the less, the rest of the second half. We were generating some good some good push. You're we right. were averaging, I think, probably I was looking at it, it was probably three to four. Were we breaking out for ten yards? No. But it was three to four yard runs on each one of those plays with some good push from the offensive line, which was surprising. And after Urban 
you know, they scored a few more touchdowns at the beginning of that fourth quarter, made made it 42-17, and he kind of took his foot off the gas, and we ended up getting a later touchdown um, on the nice scrambling play by Motley to Ford in the in the end zone, and that was good just, you know, just to make the score look better, but we kind of knew it was it was over by then. Nevertheless, the team just, they were deflated. After Brewer's injury, after that fumble, they were deflated. They, I don't want to say they gave up because I don't want to put that on them, but I almost, I was a fan, I was, you know, had given up. So it'd be hard for me not to expect the team to give up a little just because it was such a tough situation after you were in it and you were right there and you had your man at behind center and like, he's going to do it again. And well, I, I, and then, I don't really blame the team for getting a little deflated. It was a really tough situation. And then later, I'll call this one out. You had the terrible, terrible pass interference call right in the red zone against Terrell Edmonds, number 22, when he was covering Michael Thomas. And I that added to the deflation. It was not even on top of the injury. We already had uh, that going for us in, in a bad way. And then you had... Ohio State fans were around me, and they were like, that was not pass interference in any way. And it led to yeah. a touch, another touchdown on top of that. And what are you going to do at that point? There's yeah. nothing. And, and that's the thing is if they didn't score that drive, that, that ser- you know, mm-hmm. they probably would have gotten one just because the defense was – they were worn down. And I think we can just kind of end it with the game, game like analysis from a chronological standpoint and just give our overall thoughts now. Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought we fought hard for the better part of 35, 40 minutes. And like I said, the Brewer injury, it was too much for us to overcome. It really was. And we needed to get breaks in order to stay in it. We needed that missed field goal. We needed the, the Zeke muff punt. We needed the interception. But we got them and we capitalized. And I was... You know, that's what you have to do if you're going to beat the number one team in the country. And the offensive line, like you had said, they played a very solid game. Um, Hanson? Yeah. Uh, not, <laughs> not, not so much. Not so much. And that was kind of a storyline you wanted to pick up on. Uh, Hanson whiffed on a block bad in the beginning of the game, kind of tried to go low on Sam Hubbard, completely whiffed. Wasn't he, even close. He came in, took out took out uh, Brewer for the sack. Um and then we saw a lot of Yosh Najman come in. And uh, what did you think of him? He he's a, he's a beast. Listen, it, you know, go to the X and O's guys. Go check out French if you want to hear about. You know, French was an offensive lineman. He knows how to call it. But from everything I saw on the field after Hanson went out, and I'm not I'm not trying to grill him or anything along those lines. But after Jonathan McLaughlin moved over to the other side, and then Najman came in. We actually generated push for the first time that I can relect in the past three years and against a really good defensive front. And I saw the same thing. And if you're doing it against them, against not only that defensive line that they have, but those all-star linebackers that they have, uh, that's encouraging going forward because we don't have a QB. (laughs) At least we don't have our starting QB going forward. And we're going to need to run the football. And so that's encouraging. So let's let's at least take that away. I think the offensive line, we both thought it would look better this year. And already in game one, it looked better. Sam Rogers, 
And not even because he's become almost this, uh, you know, you know, f- this this figure. It's like almost like a fictional character for all of us. That uh, I know because we, we know. do love him so much. Yeah. And he was a walk on, and you can see yourself a little bit in that, like a uh, you know, zero to hero kind of guy. Exactly. Not his actual production was amazing. He ran so hard and. Yards after getting, I don't even know what you call it, destroyed by their defensive line, he still would pick up like an extra yard, yard and a half, because he just keeps pushing when he was running the ball up the center, never mind what he did on the outside. In the ca- and I think game. we're going to have to rely on him in the coming weeks. I, You know, I, I like JC and Trey, but you know who they are? They're Cedric Humes and Mike Emo. They're average. Let's put this out there. Sam Rogers had 60 snaps in that game. Trey and Coleman had 20 snaps each. He was out there for a long, long time and still had energy on every single play. Exactly. And I'd like to put as much faith in Rodgers going forward as as we can because he makes plays, and he plays harder than anyone on the team, and he's reliable. And not only that, he's a leader. So Sam Rodgers, if you take away something positive, that's another thing you can take away positive from this game. But let's let's also handle the other side, which was the defense. And that's supposed to be our pride and joy. And they did not look the part for a vast majority of that game. And the defensive I think some of it was scheme. Um, and some of it was just missed tackles and poor play. Uh, what did you think was the biggest weakness? Or I think that was pretty clear. But <laughs> what did we struggle with the right. most? I think, um, I think we got too cute uh, at the end of the day. I, I think that that Urban Meyer, going against what we said last week, Urban Meyer actually did something that was actually pretty amazing and really screwed us, which was he put somebody out there that no matter how much pressure we got, we would still struggle to take down. The fact is, Daddy is not a big boy. He is he is a small defensive and from a weight perspective from a size perspective his speed is what makes him dangerous um Akanum is somewhat bigger i think he's a, a little bit heavier yeah, he's but like he, 250 yeah but he still is not not the heaviest he's a quick guy he actually put somebody out there that caused us more trouble than the jt barrett running game which was we rely on sacks to intimidate and we could not sack him even when we were in the backfield and that's Something we both, and I think the vast majority of media members got wrong, was that we all thought it was going to be JT Barrett, and it wasn't. And I don't think that threw Bud off his game because they were, they were going to be prepared for either one. But, man, did that seem like I did not think it was going to be the advantage that it was. And we couldn't take him down. Every time he ran, he was getting two, three, four more yards than it seemed like he should have gotten. He's not going that fast. He's not making that many moves. But all of a sudden, he's 10, 12 yards downfield. And you're like, geez, what, like, how are we going to stop this guy? And it, it, it really messed, I think, with our heads. Like you said, like, there was no intimidation factor. And they racked up 572 yards of offense. Yeah. And uh, that was not more of it coming on the ground. And, uh, and it wasn't from who I thought it would be from. And Elliot, Elliot, he had 122 yards rushing, sure. 80 of that came on one play. So he had 40 yards other than that 180-yard play. It was j- the repeated punishing runs from Jones. And even like a little bit of elusiveness that he has that 
I knew he had it, but like seeing it, it was just like, gosh, you got to take this guy down. And he was slippery and he was shaking people off like Big Ben out there. And it was really, really frustrating. It was super frustrating. And, you know, Cardell, I hate just so everybody can know. I think he's an asshat. I think his comments on Twitter are a joke. I think he embarrasses his team a lot. He went nine for 18 and he was embarrassed and he was talking, you know, shit about DBU. Well, like he only. He went 9 for 18. He had 186 yards passing. It was good. Two of those were on flyers when he was on his back foot. Which when he had a coverage. jump pass in there. Yeah, exactly. But you can't, but you can't devalue his running. I don't. I don't. I think that his running, he got 7 to 8 yards every single time that he ran with the ball because he's impossible to take down. And, you know, there's a lot of credit due for how big he is. I don't think his arm was as much of a threat as it was our defensive backs literally laid an egg uh, in this game in some ways. And that, that kind of is, is, you know, harsh, but Stroman did not look good. Kendall Fuller did not look good at all. No, he didn't. In fact, Faison was the only person. He got burned a little bit once, but Faison's the only person that we were most – he was the one we were most worried about. And, and he didn't. at least I think we saw some short tackling from the DBs mm-hmm. um, because they had to because Ohio State kept getting to our second level, specifically uh, Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and just an aside – before we tackle the linebackers, which we have to talk about, which is kind of, you know, pun not intended because they didn't tackle. Um, Urban Meyer kind of got back to what he was doing at Florida in this game where I had said last week he had kind of become more of a power team. But in this game, it was like we're watching the Tim Tebow teams out there because you had the quarterback mashing runs and then getting it to a guy like, Hey, per, did Percy Harvin, was he on the field? Because that's what Braxton Miller looked like. Yeah. And they had so many different ways to attack us. And I, what are they going to do to the Big Ten this year? My God, they, it's going to be ugly. It's, they're going to demolish them. The last major point I wanted to hit was just finishing a thought on the linebackers that we started earlier. And Motua Puaka did not play a good game. We established that. There was like a hole in the field from two yards behind our line to 10 yards behind our line. And every time that Jones got into that area or anyone else, there was nobody there. And then one of the DBs had to pick up the slack. And I think Dion Clark was to blame too. And it makes me upset because we hyped him up and he's a very, very good player. But on that one Braxton run, he just, he froze like, and then yeah, he and got Bra- maybe he Braxton's got just faster, but but still, the instincts weren't there, and I'm as nervous as I was before, and I know this is a very, very good Ohio State team, so I'm trying not to overreact, but wh- who else do we have at middle linebacker? Can we put Sean Huselkamp in there? Do we have to burn Carson Lydon's red shirt? Like, what do we have to do to get some solid Mike linebacker play? I don't know, but that kid's going to have Bud Foster's hand so far up his rear end this week. Oh it's going to be outrageous because it it was there were clear gaps like in the offensive defensive line where holes were just there, and he would go the other side of Luther Matty or just like go just out into like open space, and you were like, "What are you doing? Either plug the hole or just." Get off the effing field. Yeah, like, like what at are least you throw doing? your body in there somewhere to do something effective. Or miss tackles. He just wasn't even like tackling. Yeah, I don't and think... there was a lot of guys guilty of that, but 
Yeah, that was just a lot. We had to, I mean, that was where they were killing. They was, if they got past the initial front, it was like all bets were off. And, and that like, can impact us for the rest of the year. So if if we sound a little frightened, it's because we are, because that's not a quick fix. Like your Mike linebacker your Mike linebacker, he controls he controls the defense in a lot of ways. And that 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 it was just um, five hundred and seventy two yards of offense, the sixth most under a beamer coach team. And uh it was depressing. But we're gonna finish with just three kind of quick Fun facts here, uh, Robbie. What did you What did you see from the game that you liked? Uh, just some smaller things. Just some some fun stuff. Uh, all three Edmonds brothers on the kickoff. Uh, I thought was actually pretty cool. Yeah, they're too all bad. on the field at the same time. Yeah, too bad that none of them actually got to do anything because we kept kicking it. Yeah, which was awesome. Joey Sly with the leg, man. That was one of the things <laughs> I liked about it. He, he was just booting, but uh, it was pretty cool seeing all three of them lined up together right next to each other. I thought that was hilarious. AJ Hughes is back, from what I can tell. He's got the boot. 40, I think it was 43 yards a kick, um, which is right where we want to be. I think when he went um, all ACC, he was, and I'm going to make this one up, 44, 45 yards. Uh, So he's pretty close to that uh, in game one. Absolutely. And I want to also say that, and we just mentioned Sly, but those our two kickers, our punter and our kicker, they are reliable. They got big legs. And I'm loving Joey Sly going forward too, just as much as Hughes. He, He seems like... A steady. I mean, he missed a fifty-yarder, but that's going to happen. It's a fifty-yarder. I mean, I mean he's got a leg and he's accurate. Like I'm, I'm happy of where the kicking game is. And what's the last point that you had? Last point is Bucky Hodges, zero, no catches, nothing. He Wait, had I one throw behind to be him. Positive. It is positive. <laughs> but the point is, is that. Listen, we don't know why that was. You know, we we actually were just spitballing right before you know we went on the, on the air here, and we're talking about was he used as a decoy to open up Malik? What was it? What, what happened there? The fact is, we know Bucky Hodges is talented. Right. We know he's going to be targeted all season. We know people are going to try and blanket him. We'll see what happens when he's not going up against the number one team in the nation. And let's not overreact. Okay, but maybe. We didn't get to how good Malik looked, and maybe that was because of what we just like what you just said. Maybe he was a little bit of a decoy or something because Malik made a bunch of really important catches in the game, and that is just the last positive I think we should take from this. Four four catches. I think he he opened up. I think at least two of those were for first down, and then another one was for a touchdown. He, he looked did great. real good, and I'm feeling a little bit better, and it's probably because of the beers and the alcohol in general. Uh, so, what are you drinking, Robbie? The Deschutes Brewery, uh, it's the fresh squeezed IPA. I actually like this one. It's not very hoppy, which uh, would probably lead me not to like it, but it's got kind of like a little uh, uh, citrusy kind of fruit to it, and it's actually delicious. It's refreshing. You could do it on a hot summer day. I know we're ending that part of uh, the season, but I love it. It's sad, isn't it? I know, but it's at a bend, Oregon, uh, and it's great. I am drinking the... Port City Ways and Means, another Port City beer out of Alexandria. Uh, it's a session IPA, which these always kind of leave me wanting a little bit more. They're, they're, it's like 4.5% alcohol, and I like it because you can have a bunch of them or whatever, but it's it's not really doing a whole lot for me. Um, but whatever, I want to take it down anyway. <laughs> uh, I think 
we have to address who our QB is going to be going forward because this is what our season is going to hinge on. If we have any hopes of claiming an ACC title this year or claiming a Coastal Division title, we need adequate QB play. So who is it? Who's, who's going to start for, Q, for us at QB next game? Well, this is how we started the conversation, right? So math would say, what, we got four to eight weeks. That's what they say for Brewers recovery, yeah. Huh. All right, we know it's not going to be four weeks. It's like well, back when Shy and everybody was talking about like how long they were going to be out. We know it's going to be a little bit it's longer It's going to be that. longer than four weeks, no right. doubt about it. So eight weeks puts us at Georgia Tech, right? Pretty so, much almost exactly eight weeks would be would be GT. So you that means, right before. That means that we have, by my count, four conference games that happened before that that are important to us. So the fact is, is we need to be moving forward with a legit quarterback that is not just somebody that we're plugging the hole with. We need to actually be on our game and actually playing to, to our ability and scheming to our player's ability. And the other night, I don't think you could blame anybody. I think I went into that game thinking the impossibility of, of losing Brewer. I think Leffler did as well because the scheme was not set up to, to Motley's um, best. I think he can be a good quarterback. He had that great pass to Isaiah Ford in the end zone, which I thought was impressive. I think it but waffled the rest was between not. great and lucky, but <laughs> it, I think that's kind of, I'm there with any of Motley's passes. It's going to be Motley. Leffler keeps saying we're going to rally around Motley. And I think that that is easily our best option to win games. Now. I don't think as much as, as much hype as we've heard about Lawson um, and about Durkin's size, uh, they we would have heard more if they were really that good. I think, at least at that at least that ready to play now. Right, they Lawson. They talk about how ready he is for the big stage. That does not mean you're ready to make the reads and make the right passes and check down when you need to and all of those things, which is two different things. Right, and I think he's going to look a little like a deer in headlights if we throw him out there. Maybe not against Furman. I think anyone might look okay against Furman or Purdue, but I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves. But Motley, he has some things that he does really well. He's got good wiggle. He can, which that sounds weird, but (laughs) but he can make people miss and running the football. That's really important. And he went four for nine the other night. And I think if he starts for us, we're going to see a lot of similar stat lines. I don't know if he can complete 60 to 70% of passes in a game. Like it's probably going to be 50%, 55, 60% at best. But to your point, he rolled out. Remember he rolled out on that pass. He made him miss. And that's when he, that's when he threw the touchdown pass, which was pretty amazing. He found an open receiver downfield and he hit him. So I'll give him credit for it. Uh, Motley's our best chance to win games. And because he runs, he can run a little bit of a different, scheme and basically an option or he played wing T in, in high school uh, that might throw some defenses that are used to seeing different looks from us off going forward. And as long as Loeffler can scheme around it, which he now has a team or now he has to like, that's what he's, he has do. to, he has a couple of days to get ready for Furman, but that listen, if we're in a dog fight with Furman, this could, this season could get really ugly. Both Robbie and I are kind of considering that one win, but we have, we have some points on Furman we want to make later. 
we need to get him acclimated. We need to make sure. I think Loeffler is going to throw the kitchen sink at him in this game just to see what he can do. And if he doesn't, I, I think it's unwise because this is your best chance for a dress rehearsal going into like playing power five teams. I always come back to I think the coaches know best. They're putting in the best player for the job. And guess what? And this, where we are for these coaches and what they need to produce this season – all they're going to do is put forth, you know, the best quarterback that can then make the plays. And to the Dwayne Lawson, we can't go down this road. At the end of the day, if he was that good, if he came in and he understood the entire offense day one, he would be he would be playing, and he would have gone in on that game in Ohio State. He's not in there for a reason. That doesn't mean he's not talented. But you and I came back to the same analogy, which was Tyrod Taylor, and. It might be a good thing if we keep him off the field and let him develop more because those early starts from Tyrod were not helpful to his development. And I think at the end of the day, keeping Dwayne off the field as long as we can from a starting position, not necessarily put him in for a wildcat, might be beneficial. And that's fine a lot. Some people want to see Durkin. And that's the thing that, to me, and this is only based on what we're hearing. And we've seen Durkin play a little bit in uh, spring games and stuff. Again, we would be hearing more about Durkin if he was ready to step into the spotlight. And I don't think he is. And I also think that his skill set overlaps with Motley so much that he's definitely number two behind Motley because clearly the coaches think more highly of Motley. His, because Durkin runs up on more the the, right. the, the, the the scheme, obviously Durkin uh, runs well, that's what he does best. And if you're thinking Durkin's going to come in and start firing bombs to Isaiah Ford, like right on the money, it ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So people are clamoring for Durkin or Lawson. I get it. And I was there after the game on Ohio State. And I'm just like, we got to burn Lawson's red shirt. Got to get someone in there that can make some plays. And then after watching it again, I, I think Motley is our best chance to win as many games as we can this year. After a tough loss like Ohio State, you know our guys are just dying to get back on the field and prove that they're better than the way that second half played out. And I know playing FCS opponents hasn't always gone well for us, so I am always nervous. Regardless of opponent, I always get a little bit more nervous. Like I said a little while ago, if we're worried about being in a dogfight with Furman, it could be a long season. But Furman just played Coastal Carolina, who was the new FCS number one last week, and they lost by three, and they racked up over 500 yards of offense on Coastal Carolina. That would be equal to what just happened with Ohio State. Yeah, it is kind of funny how both teams just had essentially devastating losses to the number one teams in their respective divisions. So it's not so in terms of headspace. I think both teams are in a similar place. They want to come back out and, you know, show what happened last week that, you know, in both of our cases, Hey, we can compete with that number one team, but we're a lot better than Furman. Let's, let's not overthink this. Right. Um, if we do not, uh, control the line of scrimmage, if our defense does not push around their O line, if our O line doesn't push around their D line, we got big, big problems Absolutely. on this year. Absolutely. And their their quarterback passed for a school record last week with 365 yards. I would highly doubt that he'll get over 200 this, this week on our defense. Um, and and I, I guess Coastal 
Carolina, they had their their boy D'Angelo Henderson had 95 yards rushing, another 129 receiving. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Furman gave up almost 500 yards as well. So mm-hmm. we should be able to put up, you know, four to 500 yards of offense on this team and win by three touchdowns with relative ease. Um, they've got some good players, you know, for their division, and they were in the receiving votes uh, in the FCS before the season. And like I said, they went toe-to-toe with what is now the number one team in Coastal Carolina. But like I said, we should we – should, wipe the floor for all intents and purposes with this team. And if we don't, we've got a lot to be worried about. What I'm more concerned about is what we need to see from tech in this game. And Robbie, do you have a couple things that you really want to see? Yeah. First and foremost is a nice rushing attack. Uh, I think uh, we're getting shy McKenzie back. We're probably going to give him a little bit of yardage, kind of test his test his knee and see how that's actually playing out. This is a good game to do it. On top of that, our offensive line had a push against Ohio State. If you can't have a push and get some yardage against Furman, we got bigger problems on the horizon. And finally, I think we need to to get Motley out there. It sounds like it's going to be him and let him kind of figure out scheme around him first and foremost, but secondly, let him get comfortable in the pocket. Let him get used to cuz he's he's a scrambler at the end of the day. He does not like sitting in the pocket. You saw that during the Ohio State game. He sits back there for 2 seconds and he gets antsy and he gets indecisive. So, give him some time to sit in the pocket and just get comfortable with his protection. I think that's a good way to to start this game. And I'm going to, number one, echo, I want to see Shai McKenzie. I don't want J.C. Coleman getting a carry in this game. We know what J.C. Coleman looks like when he gets a carry. We know what Trey looks like when he gets a carry. And I like those guys. I do. Uh, We need to see McKenzie. We need to see McMillan. And I want to see what they're made of. Their upside to me is so much higher than what Trey and JC can give us, and I want to see it, and I want to see it a lot. On the defensive side of the ball, I want to see us get some sacks. I mean, come on. And pressure the whole game, and our mic needs to make some plays, whether it's Motu Puaka or whoever's backing them up. I want to see our linebackers be instinctive, including Deion Clark, and get some pressure on this QB. And honest to God, with the way we thought this defense was coming into the season, we shouldn't give up more than 10 points to Furman. We shouldn't give up more than seven points. You know, we, this is a team you can shut out. It really is. And it should be absolutely. And, and in years past, that's how it would play out. And this should be a confidence builder for the defense. Uh, if you cannot get into the backfield and take down, if we can't generate more than, if you're less than five sacks in this game, or really it should be more than that, we got big problems because this was supposed to be a highly touted line, and they are talented, and they're fast, and they can move, and they need to be getting back in the backfield. I don't think it hurts, too, that they got a little embarrassed last week. To 600 yards, Almost 600 yards of offense would embarrass me. It embarrasses me as a fan. So I think they're going to be, they're going to be ready to sack a QB in this game. I'm just worried about Reese Hent. I'm just hoping that they, he he doesn't get hurt after what just <laughs> happened to us. Now I actually feel bad for quarterbacks. Uh, yeah. I don't want him to get hurt. <laughs> we'll see. And the last thing, like you said, I, we need to see Motley run this offense. Um, it doesn't need to be perfect, 
but it needs to show improvement. It needs to show me, okay, this guy's got something, which I saw a little bit of uh, last year and even this year against Ohio State in the first game. I need to see him complete 10 passes, and I don't want it to be 10 for 22. I want it to be like 10 for 16, 10 for 17, something where I can say, okay, he can pass the football. He can run the stuff that Loeffler wanted to run with Michael Brewer. And I'm hoping that we'll see that at least against Furman, hopefully also when we play Purdue and into ECU, because these are games that Motley needs to get comfortable with this offense. And that's probably the most important thing I want to see. I'm not trying to fit Motley into the pro style offensive scheme um, that, that exists. What I am trying to do is, is see him have the ability at least once in a while to sit in the pocket and be comfortable. If he wants to scramble, he should. That's that's what you know, right. he's good and, and at. In college, scrambling quarterbacks, they keep defenses honest and they can work really, really well. But sometimes people are going to play contain on you, and you that's when you have to be able to sit in the pocket. You want to see him drop back, step up, complete a pass. And I'm not sure I've seen that like just literally three, five steps back, two steps up, complete a pass, play over like I have not sure I've seen that and I want to see that happen multiple times in this game so we'll just have to see what happens against Furman before we do our picks against the spread I think we have to have a third break for beer this time because it's been a hard couple of days since that OSU loss and now I'm trying the uh the stone that Robbie had earlier and it is very very good I'm enjoying this one probably definitely more than the last two I've had it's a delicious one you gotta like that uh, I'm on to uh, the Oktoberfest. Um, I'm going to you know, carry on with Pete's comments. Uh, it's good. Just doesn't have as much punch as I would have thought from uh, having a little bit of multi-backbone that I would expect in Oktoberfest. But it's good. It's just a little lighter than I would have expected, I guess I would put it. Sounds like the Syracuse offensive line. Uh, <laughs> Transition. <laughs> oh, but that, Transmission. I mean, is that a Transition. perfect segue or what? Uh, so we have got a couple of picks here we're going to make against the spread. Um, and we're going to start with our ACC friends. And we've got the Wake Forest versus Syracuse game in, in the Carrier Dome. Uh, Syracuse is actually four and a half point favorites. I wouldn't have known what the spread was going to be on this going in because both these teams stink. Um, well, what I don't know, and I just kind of looked at this before. They just lost Syracuse. Just lost their quarterback. I think it was like a dual threat. Terrell Hunt. He hurt his Achilles. Listen, we are very, very sympathetic to lost quarterbacks right now. True, but I don't know. Is that the? I guess I'm guessing the spread was after he got hurt. So therefore, I'm picking Wake. Um, I like Wake as well. Mm. I I don't know why. Uh, the claw fence might be in full effect after they crushed Elon. I'm not sure what it is. I'm just feeling kind of frisky, so I'm going to go with Wake. Uh, Notre Dame is going to Charlottesville and going to play UVA. Notre Dame is number nine after they crushed Texas last week. Notre that was, Dame. That was impressive. Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that one. It's in Charlottesville. It doesn't matter. Uh, line is 12 and a half. I like Notre Dame to cover that. I almost want to talk about how good UCLA looked. I mean, that was unbelievable. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, last week uh, we both picked UCLA yep. to to cover, and they covered by a half point. So kudos to us. Yeah. But uh, their, UVA, fre- their freshman put himself on the Heisman ballot uh, with that one. That was an amazing game. Josh Rosen could have a really yeah. good year for UCLA. Moving on, Pitt versus 
Akron, and we wouldn't normally pick this game, but it's an ACC game, and last year Akron actually beat Pitt by 11 points. At, and and at Pitt, Pitt. Pitt just got – this game was close this past week, and then you lose James Conner. Yeah, which a, a devastating blow. that sucks. I mean, that guy is amazing. It's going to be nice when we play them, but it really is unfortunate. You don't want to see a star college football player like that go down like James Conner did for Pitt last week. That That's just really unfortunate. But I picked Pitt against the Virginia Tech. I picked, That was one of the picks I, I had because I of James Conner and Tyler Boyd, and now James Conner's out. That is unfortunate, and that sucks. So Pitt is 13-point favorites against Akron. I'm taking Akron. I am as well. The next game is Oklahoma-Tennessee. And this is a really interesting game, actually. And it's at it's in Tennessee, um, in Knoxville. And it's essentially a pick em. I had actually a hard time finding the line on this game. But it looks like Oklahoma's a one-point favorite, so let's call it a pick em. Uh Who do you like in this game? Uh, oh, let me just say, Oklahoma's number 19, Tennessee is number 23 in the most recent AP poll. I'm going to go with Tennessee only because I think they have a young team. But it seems like they're maturing a little quicker. We're going to have a hard time with them in 2016. And the better they can be going into that Bristol game, that's all I care about next year. So you're actually picking them because you want them to win, not because you think they'll win. That's exactly right. <laughs> I think Oklahoma will not only win, but beat them pretty convincingly. I think Tennessee's a fraud, and I like Oklahoma. So moving on, Oregon at Michigan State. This is going to be great. Vernon Adams. Oregon's number seven. Michigan State's number five, and Michigan State's a three and a half point favorite. Vernon Adams. See, it's a it's going to be a, this thing's going to be a shootout because Michigan State uh, got a lot of points scored on them by Western Michigan. Oregon had forty some points scored on them by Eastern Washington. This thing is going to be up there. It really depends on which team you like more in this game, and I like Michigan State more. I, I know that seems weird to say take, um, you know, a Michigan State team get uh, laying three and a half, but. I think they're going to take it to Oregon, and I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win by a touchdown or two. Oregon. All right. I think, uh, you know, he passed his math test. I think he also passed <laughs> his, uh, his his look test no, last, that's last week. He did. So, Vernon uh, I think Adams it, did look really good in the first game for Oregon, but that defense, I, I don't know. Connor Cook, I think, is an amazing quarterback. I, I do not doubt what he could do. I think that game could go either way. Yeah, you got to pick one side or the other. I think Oregon's going to come out and play pretty well. And I like State. In the next game, it's LSU versus Mississippi State. LSU is number 14. Mississippi State's number 25. Mississippi State's at home. And LSU is four-and-a-half-point favorites. You're going to love my rationale for this one. Right, go ahead. Yo, yo, you got to start. I'll, I'll mine's, start. Mine's going to be. LSU's going to smoke them. Yeah. That's that's what I think. I don't think – I can't believe Mississippi State's in the top 25. I, I really like Dak Prescott. But – the entire SEC West is in the top twenty-five, uh, with with Michigan, Mississippi State uh, sneaking in, and I don't think they're the real deal. I think LSU is going to beat them and, and beat them pretty good. It's the first game for LSU. If you remember, they bowed out last week because right. uh, of the weather delay, the harsh weather delay. Uh, I I have the opposite. I've I've Mississippi State actually winning this, uh, winning outright. Of, uh yeah absolutely uh first game of the year that's always rough uh, i think in most teams if you go flashback to the first game of the year for most everybody else outside of uh ohio state coming out and just firing away everybody struggles a little bit you got two games under your belt versus a team that has one game under their belt i'm gonna go i'm gonna go the opposite direction on that 
And the last game I have is Boise State at BYU. This is going to be a fun game. I felt well. First of all, let's let's talk about last week. Tyson Hill, like, two years in a row. I know God. an injury. Two years. In, we're talking about our quarterback problems. Two years in a row, that kid went out. I feel bad for him. That is horrific. I love how the backup comes back in and shows throws the hail mary for one of the greatest plays. A great, probably the best finish of any game on the first weekend. I, I don't, it'd be hard to find another one, and it was awesome. And hey, we love sticking it. To, I love seeing the Big Ten yeah. taking it on the chin. Um, it's going to so be Boise th- State here, though. Um, you're going to take Boise State. So we didn't even say the line. Boise State's number twenty. They're a two and a half point favorite at BYU, and without their quarterback, I. Although Boise State struggled against what was considered to be not a very good Washington team last week, I was tempted to take BYU. Without Taysom Hill, uh, I'm going to have to take Boise State because I think Boise will bounce back in a big way. Uh, I think they'll cover that three and a, uh, that two and a half, and um, and that'll do it for the picks this week. So uh, as we start to wrap up here, I think there's a couple things to keep in mind. I walked away from this week's uh, game pretty devastated i don't think i spoke for almost two hours uh to my wife i was just walking down the road and uh had to make it back to the hotel yeah it was but at the end of the day let's be honest our team showed a ton of heart our fans showed up and in mass numbers that stadium was filled and we were loud as hell and at the end of the day i'm proud of them i'm proud of our team and the season is not over we, we lost the player. We lost our starting quarterback. But I think we can make up for it, and I think we can still have a great season. we got to get through the next five to six games, and they have to do it as a team. we got to put together an offensive momentum. But on the defense, we know we have a strong team. And I don't think this season is lost like many of us thought after watching that game. I think it's ahead of us, and we can do well. I think this team is still capable of winning eight to nine games maybe even 10 games, depending on how soon Brewer can come back and how well Motley can play. But we fought valiantly in that first half, and I would have loved to see how the rest of that game shook out if Brewer did not get hurt. Nevertheless, this is where we're at, and I'm looking forward to seeing how some of the backups as well as Motley plays in the next game. And I'm still just excited for football season. So, Let's see how it shakes out on Saturday and make sure you join us next week because we're going to be not only recapping our win over Furman, hopefully, uh, but also previewing our game against Purdue. Make sure you email us any questions you have at it's too deep VT at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. And the handle is at too deep VT at too deep VT, all one word. And until next time, go Hokies.